Welcome to the Faces podcast. We're a Christian and Muslim charity working to build resilience in faith communities against child sexual exploitation and other forms of harm. We'll be talking about what faith and interfaith work means to us and how we embed an inclusive and authentic approach throughout our work. Hello and welcome to our podcast from Faces uh, in Newton. And uh, my name's Nigel. I'm on the staff team here, uh, along with Melissa, who joins us on this podcast, and Rohana, who's one of the founders of Faces. And we're going to have a discussion today on a few current news articles. And um, we're going to be looking at three of them that we've picked out uh, out of the news that's around uh, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, one, we, we did an article on Andrew Tate uh, last week, looking at his arrest in Romania um, for exploitation. And that story seems to be continuing in our press. And there's an article on the BBC uh, News, which... Um, is explaining that schools are having to think about how to educate young people who've been um, taken in by some of the misogyny and some of the viewpoints and what schools are doing. So that's one article we'd like to look at. Uh, the other one is uh, Shamima uh, Begum has launched a podcast. And so that's in the news as well uh, this week. And so uh, we'd like to look at that and have a discussion about that and the fact that that story is re-emerging. Um, the other one that we'd like to look at is the sad story of the tragic death of Rhiannon Rudd, who died last year. And she was groomed by um, a, a, an extremist in America. And um, sadly, um, through many different reasons, um, ended her own life, um, sadly, at, at the end of last year. So there's there's some of those stories we want to focus on. Uh, Faces has a focus on child protection, has a focus on safeguarding, has a focus of uh, on how to, on inclusion. And uh, so as a result of that, we've picked these stories and there's a running thread through the three of them. And the thread is grooming. And um, in all the situations, uh, the, there's a kind of grooming of young people and their ideology with, with Andrew Tate as perceived by the schools in that article by the BBC. Uh, there is Shamima uh, Begum, who um, some people view it as grooming, some people view it as her. There's a whole load of controversy over that which is all around the podcast um and and also uh, you've got this young girl who who took her own life as a result of someone grooming and i think in 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 some ways we're all human we're all full of faults and failings and good points and bad i don't think i've met anyone that hasn't had some good points in them um but sometimes the bad points outweigh the good um and and in these things we are human beings, but we're also susceptible to things. We, uh, the, the ability to be groomed by something or taken on by some thoughts and some ideas and things like that is something I think we're all vulnerable to, to some extent. And the three stories we've got here kind of highlight some of that impact of of the of what grooming does i think also in domestic of uh, violence and things like that there's a certain mindset where people think oh well i can't really change it gets into their thinking and it takes a long time to detox from that 
I remember speaking to someone who had been through a situation like that, saying, it just feels someone's in my head and I don't want them in my head anymore. <laughs> and it takes a long time to work through some of those things. And so I hope our discussion this uh, today um, as, as we're meeting, um, discussing these different articles um, actually helps us look at the whole issue of grooming, uh, which is very alive and current in our news. And if it's current in our news, it's current in society. It's current around us. And so therefore, these things are very important to discuss and look at. Um, and so I think probably the one to start with, which draws more of the, the subject up, um, the other's have very key illustrations on it uh, is the Andrew Tate uh, article from the BBC. And we'll have these in our notes uh, underneath the podcast. So people can follow that or look up the articles or hear the podcasts if they would like to do that. Um, but basically uh, Andrew Tate is described in this article as intelligent, articulate, disciplined. Uh, that's how a secondary uh, school teacher described Andrew Tate. Um, but she says the problem is he's also pathetic, insecure and promotes um, Taliban beliefs on how to treat women. <laughs> and I think that article um, raises some things. I don't think that is all about Andrew Tate's viewpoints. And I don't think that is what drives it. He was on many of these viewpoints before any uh, look into religion uh, seems to have occurred. Um, but I think there's some articles there on how teachers are looking at this and thinking how um, how do they help young people who are taken in by some of these things. I had a thing ping up on my Instagram uh, this week, which said, uh, you know, today, as I'm preparing for this, it pings up and goes, Andrew Tate's helped this person and given money to this person. And, and that's what he's been attacked for. And there's a man on there going, I'd rediscovered my masculinity by these thoughts. He's, he's helped save me. He's saved my life. He's rescued me. And you've got all these things being said on social media as he's up on for trial in Romania uh, for exploiting women, uh, for for some of the things that have been going on there. There's even um, a lot of rumors around, um, and it's a story that's playing out. So we're not saying he's guilty. We're not saying any of those kind of things. It's a story that's emerging. Uh, we don't know how it will end up. But these are some of the approaches taken in school. So I don't know if um, either of you would like to chip in uh, to that story or um, comment on any of the things I've said and, and bring that on further. Um, I'll just open it up. Um, yeah, I think there's a few things that as you've been speaking, you know, my mind is sort of um, jumped uh, all over um, different places. And I guess I just wanted to open up by drawing on um, the the quote there from um, the BBC article where the teacher describes his attitudes um, as being um, the Taliban beliefs. Um, I think part of the problem here is really understanding um, why his ideas have um, had such, you know, why so many young men um, have bought into these ideas. And by describing them as Taliban beliefs, what that teacher has done um, is otherize misogyny. Um, and to say it's part of this other culture belief system, it's alien to us. And we have now got to kind of detoxify our, our young men. And I think it really ignores the 
the multiple ways in misogyny and sexism is entrenched um, in in our society, um, in our language, in our attitudes, um, in our in our beliefs. They have young young men, young boys are not clinging on to this as a new idea. Um, it's an expansion of ideas, um, and you know, undoubtedly, kind of the. Um, you know, re- really, really crude and ugly representations of it. But those are Andrew Tate's ideas um, are, are rooted in and are replicated in society in multiple ways. And I think we've got to take ownership for that and recognise the way in which those ideas circulate within our communities. They're not other. Um, ask any woman from any background um, and they will be able to give examples and experiences um, of, of misogyny um, and sexism that they've experienced from um, men and sadly indeed women um, of, of all backgrounds. So that's the first thing I want to say is that we really need to take um, ownership of, of the world that we live in, of the ideas that circulate in it and the ways in which we uh, as individuals and societies um perpetuate those ideas that's the first thing i'll say um and then we can talk about some other issues in terms of grooming and and how that works perhaps uh, later on um i'll hand over to melissa i know she's got something to say that was a really really good point um Rahana, and and that was the the line that uh i saw most in that article as well is is describing these taliban beliefs um because it not only does exactly everything that you've said makes it a problem that is other and, and that isn't, a, you know, isn't actually a problem in the UK. It's just he's adopted these wrong kind of um, perceptions from somewhere else. Um, but it also, in trying to safeguard young boys, as the, the article was mostly talking about, um, and teenagers from the influence um, of misogyny and, and um, the normalising of abuse and things like that, that the whole narrative around Andrew Tate does, um, it's also... You know, we can't really deny the fact that when you soon as you say Taliban, there's an association with Muslims. And therefore, any Muslims who may or may not have been in that um, class, it's suddenly now your message isn't for me because I'm I'm one of the bad guys in this scenario. Um, and so that kind of language coming from a teacher and actually being um, so uh, open about then having that in a national news report um, is really troubling. And um, it really shows just how normal it is to you know, create these negative associations with no consideration at all for the young people um, in that scenario. Um, or rather, it, it highlights that there's only a particular kind of young person in mind um, when giving that kind of message. Yeah, and, and I think the religious literature, literacy in it is is um, an issue as well. Um, I, I think the misogyny that they're trying to tackle, I think one of the difficulties is to tackle it from secularism. You haven't got a written document saying these are our secularist beliefs and these are entrenched and this is what people follow. Um, whereas with religions, you do. <laughs> and so it's much easier to attack a religion when you've got a vagueness, but it, it also when you're looking for something that expresses it in a solid way, you, you haven't got anything to base things on. And I think this is part of the problem for for, for teachers approaching it with a lack of religious literacy. Um, it, it's very difficult to find something solid to to label it apart from misogyny. And 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 I think the way it's written, I think, is is kind of I think for young guys 
there's a looking at what does it mean to be masculine? And there's a lot of things going on in society that don't answer that question. So they get the idea it's it's sex, it's violence, it's 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 a whole load of flashy cars and and material possessions and signs of success are in some way where you grow up without a strong male role model, that those things are taken by media to be the things that, that masculinity may be about it has been a strong thing that I think has been around. And I think that's where I see it, that this plays into because he's a kickboxer <laughs> who's, who's won some championships um, at, at a world level. He, he's got a chess background from his father. He's got all these flashy cars. You know, what color is your, be- be- your, 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 your posh car? Um, there, there's all of those kind of things that are trying to appeal. And that's why it's so difficult so without being able to teach on saying, well, a, a good man is this in your school lesson, it's very difficult to counteract that narrative. And it's also why should people listen to your narrative when they're getting this bombarded at them on social media all the time? And so I think some of these, uh, the, this thought process is very difficult to tackle with some of these young men uh, unless they can get to see the picture of 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 themselves grown up <laughs> what what am what kind of person am i going to become and i think there's some important factors around that and i think religion has a lot to bring into that um but where you decide not to have religion in the picture i think that's very uh, difficult as well and and so i think there's a lot of things going on with this um that uh, play into this um narrative i don't know if you've got more to add to that or whether i've provoked other things I I just think so so much of it is about language, isn't it? Like we're talking about Taliban beliefs, we're talking about masculinity um, and ideas of gender and and what's acceptable and acceptance and respect and all of those things. Um, I think perhaps we've come a bit too far in throwing all these different terms at at young people when we when we explore gender, masculinity, feminism, all of these things, Mm. and we worry less about what those things actually mean, um, because now. You know, just like we're saying that masculinity is such a a big part of this, ideas of it, and I suppose a a sense of not knowing what it is, so therefore needing to listen to someone who's telling you what it is, um, is perhaps where we're missing a trick because we're throwing all these words at teenagers um, without really telling them what's right and wrong, um, or at least what's, you know, what what a level of society has as acceptable and not. Um, and just on the language point as well, in the Rhiannon Rudd um, article, there was a line that described um, the the person who was later found to, to be grooming her, uh, I think, as um, part of a violent form of neo-Nazism. And I realised that since when it, it, do we need to add that kind of caveat of violent form, you know, because... The, the definition in itself, the ideology itself tells you that it's uh, about violence, you know, and about hurting other people. Um, and I found it interesting that we wouldn't likely see a similar um, necessary description if we were talking about Islamists, for example. Um, but it just, it, it really does show how we shape these different narratives depending on who the victim is, who the perpetrators are. Um, and, you know, going back to my first point that that language is really important in what children are hearing when they and seeing when they read these stories. 
Yeah. Just to pick up on that, Melissa, it's not just about who the victim and the perpetrators are, but how acceptable some of those ide ideologies are. So, you know, violent forms of neo-Nazism, um, <laughs> as opposed to non-violent forms of um, neo-Nazism. But um, I, I think there is certainly... Um, when we when we hear these when we talk about different forms of extremism when we think about our threshold of saying actually oh that's gone too far now there is a differential between different forms of um you know quote unquote extremisms um that we might say you know use the example of of, of islamism and um neo-nazism um and i think Whilst I've, whilst I've just repeated them, as I repeated them, um, I'm almost thinking that actually I, those ideas are so diverse within themselves of what that word means, what Islamism means um, to potentially all three of us is again part, part of the problem because these are just um, words that many people use in many different contexts that will mean multiple different things. Um, I choose not to use it actually because its its usage is is so both diverse and inflammatory that you can't actually um, have a a reasonable discussion about it. And I think that's that's potentially um, one of the issues around you know overarching whether we're talking about Rhiannon Rudd, whether we're talking about Shamima Begum, who we haven't um, discussed so far yet, whether we're talking about the uh, influence of um, Andrew Tate. I think the overarching problem is that we really struggle to um, that we really struggle to um, and you know it's, it's about the world that we live in. But there's no level playing field for young people on these issues. There's no kind of sort of ground that we start to build upon. Um, you know, it's it's widely, you know, people have commented on social media, in the media, in discussions I've had with people, there is a, a massive difference between the response to Shamima Begum and Rhiannon uh, Rudd. Both are pretty tragic stories. Both are young um, people who were, um, you know, groomed um, young people who were were seen to be in violent, difficult situations and we responded to them in different ways. And that yeah. tells us a lot about the acceptability of particular discourses, but it also tells us something about the way that we see victims um, and victimhood. And I remember a, a few years back, I, I wrote about Shamima Begum, I think at the time that Sajid Javid stripped her of her um, citizenship. Um, and it was in, in, in researching that that I read about um, Sami's Law. The Sami's Law was um, being promoted by the then Victims Commissioner, by many chief constables, including ours at Bedfordshire, by, by John Boucher. Um, and Sami's Law... Um, was put forward by um, one of the um, victims of um, on-street grooming, uh, Sammy Woodhouse. And it essentially said that, you know, young people groomed under the influence of abusers should not be held responsible for the crimes that they commit whilst under the influence of groomers and abusers. 
and again widely supported by police officers um by those who understand who, who should understand um what victims um what victims experiences are um and yet we're unable to apply that to certain young people when we're unable to see that when it comes to the likes of um Shamima Begum and I can only conclude that that's that's because of what she looks like and what we associate with people who look like Shamima um I actually had a quick listen to her her podcast or the other podcast that the BBC have released this morning and and she probably gets it I think at one point she says that when people look at me they see ISIS um and that's part of the problem is that they look at her and there are all sorts of violent ideas attached to her related to ISIS. Whether she had anything to do with those things or not, or whether she knew about them or not, um, you know, all, all of that is is hasn't really been explored or, or discussed at all. What we have been presented with oftentimes is somebody, you know, the traitor who travelled um, we're going to ignore her age. And I, look, I've got a 14-year-old. Um, and I've, you know, got older children who have been through that sort of age. Um, and the idea that a 14, 15-year-old has complete agency is, is bonkers. It's, it's, it's it, you know, it's just something that you, um, it's really difficult to get your head around. But, but I also wonder when young people see and read these sort of things what 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 effect does it have on them what mm. you know we often talk about we talk to young people and we um you know there's all of these kind of workshops and assemblies and things we do about disclosing abuse how do you disclose abuse when that's the kind of, those are the kind of narratives that you mm. that you're hearing the amount of responsibility placed on young people to recognise it, and then if it's there, to go away from it. But if they step into it, then they'll be blamed for it. And what does what does that leave young people thinking and feeling? It's such a good point. Yeah. Um, such a good point. And also with um, the Ren and Rudd story, you know, there were so many times that services failed her to actually intervene where something could have been done to help her. Um, and perhaps a lot of that was to do with a perception of... Um, you know, her not fitting the description of a, of a young girl who'd be radicalised because she wasn't Muslim. Um, and there were so many different times where the abuse and exploitation was, and grooming, uh, you know, evidence was given that it wasn't acted upon um, until it was too late. Um, and so in both cases, you know, the girls were, Shamima Begum and Rihanna Rudd were, were failed by systems that are supposed to be set up to protect them. Um, so just coming back to your point of, uh, we tell young people to disclose ab abuse, to you know, share their concerns. But if I if I'm a young person and I read about these stories where one is is you know left in in Syria and and stripped of her citizenship, another um, you know ended up taking her life because she wasn't helped when she could have been. Mm -hmm. um, it's a really strong and really dangerous message that they're hearing. Yeah, and and I, th and I think it's also the backstory to these things is very 
in years gone by, people were just measured, oh, they did this, this is the result. There was no understanding of what grooming was happening behind the scenes, what other things were being done. Um, and I think uh, the interesting thing for me in this is um, Shamima's podcast uh, being released with the claim, we're going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to uh, find out, and, and for the first time, the real truth is coming out about this, the whole thing. Um, I, I think that's that's a bold boast, uh, but it certainly does get people watching it um, but uh, and listening to it. But but I think with, with this, I think there's a n- number of episodes to go. There's a lot of different things. On GMTV the other day, um, I just saw an article in passing, um, and they were debating this podcast. And, and that was the, the main article, uh, on, uh, Good Morning TV in here in the UK. And, and as, as they're bringing that, you've got a Met, former Met officer who is, was on the podcast that, that we listened to. Um, and he, he was, he was very, very strong on the grooming side of things. Whereas you had a journalist who'd prepared a podcast years ago who was very, um, down on Shamina because of on truths he could see in the story. And, and you had these two arguments, but the other guy was bringing the grooming side into that because it's very hard to piece pieces together and have memory of things when you've been through some of these processes of grooming and things. So there's a lot in this that I think we have yet to discover about grooming that I think podcasts like Shamina's are going to, uh, are going to bring out. And and I think there's some of these things that are worth looking at and following. And and here on Faces, uh, as we look at these stories, some of them are emerging. Some of them are going to run for some time. Um, and and we're very happy to come back and comment on some of these. Uh, but I think just I just wondered if you had any comments on the grooming side of things, and that kind of um, thought of how you get some of that out of your system, um, and and the restoring of young people who've been through grooming processes and i know uh, we've looked into some of this um uh, you know uh, and how does that re- restoration take place and how do um you know the 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 tools that we use to to influence the person um get turned around i mean are there building blocks out of that is um is faith good for that um i, I just want to just throw that out a little bit because i think both of you uh, are probably um, far more clued into some of this than than i am and and i just think it'd be useful to hear that i'll just um try to give a brief response um to that and the brief response, it's really, really difficult um, because the process of grooming, and it's called grooming, you know, for, for a reason, you know, young people or, or even adults, um, it all alters the way that you think. It alters your perceptions. It alters your ideas of what is right and what is wrong. Um and, and the groomers, um, you know, can create a really strong kind of emotional connection. Um, and, young, and, 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 you know, those who are being groomed um, can create a really strong emotional connection to the person they're being um, groomed by. And we've heard, you know, if people want to look back at some of those accounts during the um, ICSA inquiry, 
you know, you hear some really powerful accounts of, of grooming and how it happens um, and, and how just all consuming that that person or those ideas become in someone's life. Um, and I particularly remember, if people want to look them up, um, that um, there was a um, football coach, I think, um, I don't think of the name now, Barry, Barry Bennell, um, you know, and they're talking young and, and young boys talking about the way that they were abused by him, the processes. It's, you know, it's really quite harrowing, and it's easy to see, um, you know, how how young people, how these young men got kind of so wrapped up and um, and just felt unable to do anything about what was happening to them, even if it felt horrific. Um, and sometimes it doesn't feel horrific. That that's the thing as well, because you're, the way that you're thinking, um, your ideas of what's acceptable and what's not are completely altered um, by 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 the grooming process. And we recognise that. I think we read even in the case of Shamima Begum, where we want to say, you know, we don't think she was she was groomed. When we're when we're calling a 15 year old an ISIS bride, what are we saying? None of us think that she, when we use those phrases, none of us are thinking, you know, she's going off to Syria to fight a war. Isis Bride is showing that we recognise what she is going to Syria for. She's spoken about this sort of, uh, idyllic imagery she's had of, you know, of finding her family there. But it's a really, I mean, we're not saying the um, the obvious out loud, but we are condoning and justifying the rape of a 15-year-old. Uh, when we use that in such a in that that kind of throwaway comment, we know what she went for, and we know what happened to her. She was a fifteen-year-old child. Um, so that's you know, in, in terms of what grooming does, um, I think it's important to recognise um, the way that it takes over somebody's life. And when when we recognise that, I think we also then see how difficult it is to detangle oneself from that. The stories one one has told ourselves in to, in order to justify the, the 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 stuff that we've done or the way that we've behaved or our actions in the past, and we now need to detangle ourselves from that. We need to detangle ourselves from the bond that we've made without with our abuser, um, and in order to survive, in order to be able to live through what has happened. Um, People find that very difficult to do, to very difficult to um, to acknowledge what's happened. And that might take, you know, years. It might take decades. And sadly, you know, for some, it, it you know, it, it is unable to do. But people have to be given the grace and time and support to be able to do that. Um, but it's a very, very tough journey. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Rahona. And, uh, and I think, um, you know, that's very helpful in, in looking at that. And I think what I'm listening to as, as I'm hearing you say that is I'm thinking it, it, the dehumanization of others or the separation from other people's humanity uh, enables a lot of evil to happen. And actually that managing to keep people's humanity in view and in focus 
is really important. It, it, it's when we view people as others that that things fall down. Um, where we, you know, we, we can even dehumanize journalists, but that that horrible lot over there, or we can dehumanize lots of different groups. It's where we keep an understanding of the frailness of humanity, but also the faults of humanity in all of us. In in some ways, working that through helps a better. And I suppose that's one of the keys with 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 grooming. Uh, that that has an effect of um, maybe even thinking of yourself less and and dehumanizing yourself as part of that process um but it's where that happens i think that's got to be one of the building blocks uh, moving further forward um i don't know if you've got any final uh, uh things to add uh melissa yeah. um, just, I'm just listening um about what you were saying both of you just now and um i think part of what people outside of the the situation can do to support someone who's been um been groomed being exploited is remembering to look at things holistically and contextually and and addressing the point of exploitation as well so whether that's um you know that's what gives uh, or helps reinforce that hold that someone has over another person is because you have a dependency because you you need me for drugs for shelter for care for love or you know perceptions of it um and so rather than you know addressing the the victim in that situation's perhaps drug misuse as a completely separate problem on its own but actually seeing that as much part of uh removing that hold that the abuser who's supplying the drugs uh as a way of keeping control over that person um has um and, you know, I think we could draw comparisons even with um, Shamima Begum in that circumstance. If she's, uh, you know, doesn't have a home, literally stateless and doesn't have anywhere to go, um, that's not having that 15-year-old victim survivor in mind and how we can best help her because that's just uh, creating um, another power that someone can have over her by providing her a home, by providing her a sense of belonging and a, and a sense of care and love and all the rest of it. Um, so these things aren't sort of separate issues, you know, and I think it, it shows that in her circumstance, especially it wasn't the the safeguarding of a, of a child um, or a young adult who was a child when she was um, first groomed and, and, and left the UK. Um and that's what the focus should be. You know, in all of these stories, there's so much political and racial and um, other kinds of sort of much broader societal concepts that do need to be uh, acknowledged and unpacked as part of it. But actually, we're talking about like individual young people's lives, children's lives in this Um And we can't miss that through all the conversation and all the definitions and all of the... Um, you know, the acknowledging the broader impact of things and how it might also affect other young people and all the rest of it is important. But um, if you're the person dealing with the specific the specific case of abuse or the specific, um, you know, concern that's been uh, made apparent about a, a child, that that child needs to be the focus, not kind of not be hidden amongst all of the other noise, I suppose. Yeah. Thanks, Melissa. And um, and I think these these stories will run and run, um, and our knowledge of things and our ability to input into things will increase, um, hopefully. Um, but if you're listening to this and you 
feel you're in a situation where um, you've either been through grooming or you've been through some form of of situation there, um, we just encourage you to get help. Um, if you're in, in a current situation and you're you're a young person, child line uh, would be a very good place to go um, and, and get in touch with them. But there's also uh, local authorities and other people who can help in these situations and so we'd encourage you to get in touch with people uh, i know there's some very good organizations into domestic abuse um like um home start and some of these organizations around different areas in the uk that can be very helpful in helping detox from some of these i know there's a manual probably about two inches thick um that women work through to help work out of some of these situations so just uh, we realize these stories will run our discussion on them will run as well um but we'll come to an end uh today uh but just encourage you and uh, seek the help if you can get you know if you need it uh inquire um there's plenty of places to get that from um but thank you very much for listening and thank you rohana and thank you melissa as well um it's been fun good to discuss these things today